Hello, and welcome to the Indie Author Method Podcast, where we talk with independent authors about their process and how they can help you along your writing journey. I am your host, best-selling and award-winning author, Andrew J. Brandt. Before we get into it, this episode of the Indie Author Method is brought to you by The Subtle Nerd. The Subtle Nerd was born from fashion-forward comfort needs with a fun sneaky twist of the geek and nerd culture. I have quite a few t-shirts from The Subtle Nerd, and my favorite is honestly the Three Broomsticks t-shirt. See, whether I'm in gym shorts and taking a jog around my neighborhood, or I pair it with a pair of jeans and sneakers and hit up one of my favorite breweries, the shirt looks great on me. It fits comfortably, it feels great, plus it's got that little subtle hint of nerddom, and I love it. So whether you get the Three Broomsticks shirt, or even the official mixtape for the End of the World t-shirt that I collabed with the Subtle Nerd on, check them out, check out their apparel, and get 10% off your order using promo code INDIE at thesubtlenerd.com. That's promo code INDIE at thesubtlenerd.com. Now, let's get on to the interview. On this week's episode of the podcast, I'm joined by romance author Shannon Myers. Shannon is a born and raised Texan. She grew up inventing clever stories, usually get herself out of trouble, though her mother was not amused. In junior high, she began writing fractured fairy tales from the villain's point of view, and that was the moment she knew that she was going to use her powers for evil instead of good. Today, we'll talk about Shannon's works, her inspirations, and how an unplanned surgery in 2014 made her take up a pen and write a novel about the worst thing that could happen to a person. Shannon, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, again, you're a romance author. You are, like me, a born and raised Texan. Let's yeah. get into it. What What made you want to become a writer? I have always loved telling stories. Um, I was given a typewriter when I was eight, I believe, for Christmas by a friend and just started writing fairy tales. And I was really interested in, of course, as you already said, writing from the villain's point of view. Sometimes I like to make up stories about people in my family and, you know, just everything was little short stories that were usually funny and it never really went away. It wasn't something I outgrew. I just knew even as a kid, I wanted to be a writer. There's a lot of me that is exactly the same. Uh, I knew from a very early time that I wanted to be a writer. Uh, I grew up reading um, like Goosebumps stories. And then as I got a little bit older, Stephen King and Michael Crichton, and Dean Koontz. What kind of stories uh, inspired you and inspire you to this day? It's funny you say Stephen King because I grew up with a dad who had an entire Stephen King collection. So that's really what I think I cut my teeth on. And it's probably why I write dark romance more than just like the Hallmark feel-good type romance. Mine are very dark, very gritty. But I read a lot of horror. Um, I would alternate. Sometimes I read more of the um, Harlequin romance type books in high school. But I've always been a fan of Stephen King. And just that darker take on a story really draws me in. Oh, yeah. I remember being in like the sixth grade and I was still reading like Goosebumps books at the time. But I remember my science teacher, uh, she kind of pulled me off to the side and she said, uh, if you like those, you're going to love this. And she handed me Pet Cemetery, And I, re- <laughs> I read that. And then I read nothing but like Hank the Cow Dog for an entire month afterward. Just nice stories about dogs on farms. Just a nice palate cleanser. Nobody's <laughs> going to die in those books. 
So, like you said, you write you write dark romance. I mean, you write you know more gritty, uh, romantic suspense type stories. What is what is it about that genre that drew you to writing those kind of stories and that kind of detail? I think for me, what really stood out was that the people and the characters they felt more real that way. Um, I've always like I like to watch the Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm not going to lie, but it it gets old. It's the same story over and over. And it's even if they have had misfortune, it's usually something pretty light and easy. And I like the idea of characters that have been through maybe something really traumatic, or they grew up in an environment that wasn't safe as a child, and exploring how that impacts how they view society and the world and just building off of that. That's, that's what I find most fascinating. And I find that it resonates the most with readers. How do you come up with those kind of characters? How do you come up with, you know, that, that gritty dark romance uh, and, and the characters that, that live in that kind of world? It's, funny but the characters kind of just speak to me uh i wrote a motorcycle club romance never imagined that would be something i would do because i have no experience with motorcycle clubs um i don't own a motorcycle have maybe been on one a handful of times and i had uh at the time I'd written a character that was more of like a romance, like or a romantic comedy type story. And I needed something for this dad that she thought was deceased. I was like, he needed to have some underworld type connection and just, you know, pulled it out of the air. I'm like, Oh, well, he could be a biker or something like that. Not realizing this character wasn't dead. He was actually going to be coming back in. And then it just kept building with each book into this world where readers were like, we want his book. And I was kind of left scratching my head. Like I had no idea how to write anything about motorcycle clubs, had to do a lot of research, but the characters kind of took over from there and just telling, like, I felt like, you know, showing me like a movie in my head, like this is what I went through. And it built the entire world out and it's one of my best selling series, but it is one that I, when I reread it, I still feel like those characters are very real and come off the page. I love that. And a lot of times whenever I'm talking about writing in the process with aspiring authors, uh, I say a lot that your characters are what drive your story, your characters and the situation and how they react to situations or what should drive your story, not necessarily just plot. Absolutely. Um, let's go into, so just going through your bio, you know, we said that uh, you wrote your first novel in 2014. Yes. Well, yes. My, my first official novel that I published. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, worthy of being published. Let me say that. <laughs> I'm a lot like that too. I've got, you know, what I call my desk novels, my drawer novels, uh, or even like the start stop stories that, you know, I had an idea even from when I was much younger you know, I've probably got a dozen of those, um, you know, on my laptop or in my desk that will never see the light of day, of course. But, um, yeah. So in 2014, you wrote, uh, and completed your first published novel. What was that story? That was from this day forward. And it came about, I had cancer in 20, found out at the end of 2013, I had to have a hysterectomy, um, early 2014, and I was supposed to be on bed rest for six weeks, but me being me, I went back to work after two weeks. 
pushed myself a lot harder than I should have. And so when I went to my six week checkup, instead of being released, my doctor was like, you're getting another two weeks and it's full bed rest. Like you cannot leave your house. You can't walk around. You need to be sitting as much as possible because your body's in bad shape. So I was feeling sorry for myself sitting at home. And I had a story that I'd started years ago and kind of, I guess, tinkered with over the years a little bit. And I gotten tired of watching TV. You can only watch so much TV, as I'm sure people can relate to coming, you know, from a pandemic standpoint. And I pulled out my laptop and sat down at the dining room table and just kind of went with this idea of what's the worst thing that could happen to a person? Because I know I don't have it the worst. People have it worse than me. And just kind of went with that question and built out the story and wrote the entire thing during that two-week period. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually just kind of flabbergasted uh, that you wrote this entire novel in that two-week period. I mean, you just sat down with a laptop and just went at it? I did. And let me be clear. I have not done that since. It, it takes me much longer. It was one of those stories. Now, it is more of a novella. It was about 50,000 words. But it was something that when I sat down, I could see it so clearly and I didn't have anything else to do for hours and hours at a time. And I couldn't sleep. I was on a lot of pain medication and it made made my sleep schedule weird. So I just sat and wrote for the two weeks that I was off and finished it and then came back, you know, questioned myself for the next two years on whether I should publish it or not. And then finally published in 2016. And and you chose self-publishing there. I did, yes. Okay. Uh, what is the reason that you chose self-publishing over you know, querying for an editor or, or or an agent or looking at traditional publishing? I did query for an agent and was rejected by several. They felt the story was good, but it just wasn't something they were in the market for at the time. And that was another thing that I sat with for two years was, should I wait and hold out or should I publish? And there were a lot of romance authors that I had gotten to know online that were, had gone the self-publishing route. Some had been traditionally published, but had become more hybrid and were doing self-publishing and it had a lot of success. And I just listened to a lot of them and I thought, well, self-publish, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, I can always write something else and try again. And I did, I think my first three books, query for an agent for the first three before releasing just to see. And then after that, I really liked the idea of not having to split any of my royalties with anybody else and was glad that I made the decision to do self-publishing. I feel that completely. That 70% royalty rate you get on Amazon KDP is for me at least well worth it. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the things of taking, you know, on the the entire self-publishing journey, though, is you are not just a writer at that point. You're a small business owner. Um, It is your, you know, you have to come up with editors and you have to hire cover designers and all that stuff. Um, Were you expecting as much work as that takes going into it, or did you have an idea of, of everything that you needed to do from that point? I'm one of those that before I go in, I like, I'm the one that if I'm going to purchase something, let me preface by saying, if I'm going to purchase something online, I read all the comments and the reviews first before I do anything. So I kind of approach (laughs) the same way as far as, 
okay, what what are the do's and don'ts? What have people had success with? What is something that they advise again? As far as cover design, I liked the idea of being a bit of a perfectionist, having that creative control so I could ensure that it, it matched the story I was trying to tell. So I didn't have necessarily an issue with having more of that work up front. I do tend to like to have that creative control over a lot of it. Uh, the editing cost, that was probably one thing. Editing and then the cost to have a custom cover as opposed to finding a stock photo that might work, right. paying the cost of a custom image and then have someone design it and the editing. Those were the costs that I, I don't think I was prepared for up front, but that I, I had to kind of, it was trial and error learning like, Oh, okay, well everyone did this stock photo for a book cover. So that's not going to sell. And Spending $1,500 on an image doesn't necessarily make a book a bestseller either. So it was a lot of hit and miss, but you learn along the, you learn along the way. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, you, you take on the hat essentially of a small business owner where every aspect of that publishing process is totally in your hands at that point. So you, you released that novel and then you wrote a sequel to it. I did. Yes. I, I left it on a cliffhanger which apparently was a no-no with a lot of readers. They were, they say they hate cliffhangers, but still I find that those books sell the best. Uh, so it was interesting because I wrote it and released it. And then within a couple of days, there were the emails coming in like, where's part two? And that was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I have to write the second book. It's, they've already read it. I don't have a lot of time. And so I went right back to it and wrote the second one. And I think that's how I published my first 10 novels was working nights and weekends because I worked a 40 hour a week job. I did have two, my boys were a lot younger. So two young boys at home and I just poured everything into seeing where it went. And at the time I had no expectations. It was just something I really enjoyed doing. And it was a way to tell all these stories that I kind of, developed in my head over the years. Yeah. And then did you end that second book on a cliffhanger as well, or did you finish up that story? I did not. I finished that story so that nobody came after me with pitchforks. <laughs> I think uh, George R.R. R. Martin is really good at that, though. You know, he, he makes his, his readers demand the next one, and, and he'll just leave them on a string for 10 years. I think I think they're still waiting. I gave up years ago with him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I met you at the very briefly at the Lubbock Book Festival back in September of 20, 2021. Yes. I've done a couple of those you know, conventions uh, like that. Uh, do you do uh, many of those conventions as well? I do. I didn't obviously in 2020. 2021 that was my second one of the year. I, two weeks before that, I'd been in San Antonio for a signing that was originally scheduled for 2020 and had just been pushed. But I've done several, and I really, I, I really love getting to meet the readers. I think it's a great way of like connecting with your reader and getting to talk to them and answer questions. I, I've done it in an online form too, but there's nothing like meeting an, uh, a reader face to face or meeting your favorite author face to face. And getting to have that conversation. Those those conventions for me, I know, are are great because I same way I get to 
meet my readers, you know, face to face. As a self-published author, you know, we do a lot of the marketing ourselves. How much do you see the convention circuit and the book festivals as part of your marketing campaign after you release a novel? I don't put as much into events. If I am running ads, I'm running more towards the books. I promote that more than anything. And then from there, I've built a group, a reader group, where I can communicate with them and let them know I am going to be signing here. A lot of times, especially, I don't know if it's like this across genres, but in the romance genre, you have readers that they are eagle-eyed with every signing. They are looking So I often find out about signings from readers and then I have readers reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, I saw your name on the banner. You are going to this and just having that conversation. But a lot of times the readers are the ones that are the most proactive and scouting out like you need to come here. And, you know, from there, a lot of times the organizers at the events I go to do such a wonderful job of marketing and they create these groups online where we can, you know, share a new release, let people know we're going and build that rapport with attendees up front that I don't have. I, I mean, I can set a little bit of time aside, but I'm not having to run heavy marketing campaigns for it because a lot of the legwork has already been done for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. And again, the, the romance genre is such a beast in itself I and mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And it's an industry and it's a genre where, you know, self-published authors can make a a lot of money and create a lot of fans because those readers are are well readers. I mean, they want to read everything you've got as soon as you release it. Absolutely. And if they like one of your books, they will go in and read your entire backlist. You don't, you, you don't have to track those readers down and beg them. They're already looking. And I feel I've been very fortunate to be in this industry because it's, it's ha- helped me tremendously with reaching new readers. So let's get back to your, your writing process. Um, you wrote those first two novels. Uh, you self-published those. I know you have the Silent Phoenix series as well. Are you, uh, are you a, what they call a pantser? Are you a plotter? You know, what, how do you sit down to write a novel? I'm a mix of both. I... I start out with a plot, but I'm one of those. I can plot myself into a corner to where it doesn't feel creative. <laughs> it just feels like I'm writing down, you know, reciting almost. Like I've, my brain's like, you already plotted it out. It's not fun anymore. I want no part of this. So I'll plot usually the first 25%. So usually get to get through act one is my big thing when I'm plotting, like to have an idea. Okay. And by then, I feel like the characters are developed enough that they're talking. I can kind of let them decide where to go next. I do have usually a general idea of, you know, the dark moment. This is going to be what that looks like. This is the resolution. This is probably going to be one book. This might be three. I usually know that up front, but I, I leave after 25%, I leave that pretty open to change. I'm I'm a lot the same way. Uh, I I don't say that I'm a plotter, uh, but I definitely have a roadmap in place. Uh, usually, it's a three act structure and what beats I need to hit along the way. Uh, I'll, I'll let my characters kind of decide how they get there and what happens. But I do know that you know there, there are specific beats that not only I need to hit, but I know that my readers expect as well. Um, I found that if you don't write 
to to reader expectations. Uh, you know, even if you have your own plot twists in the way, uh, you know, readers can kind of sour on you pretty quickly. I agree. I think you do need to keep pacing in mind when you're going in. I could spend pages, you know, describing the scenery and something else, but I'm not in the genre. If it's a fantasy genre or something like that, I have to know those readers are going to want to know what does this world look like in romance. It's, it's a faster pace. They want to know more like what happens next. Where's the angst? We, so I learned early on doing a heavy backstory didn't work because it wasn't people are reading romance for the meat cute. They want to see the hero and the heroine get together. And if that's not happening until 20, 25% of the way in, they really struggled with that. So it was a good lesson for me in pacing of, okay, I need to, I can cut the backstory here. I need to get into it as soon as possible. So there's that connection and that keeps them reading. And how has self-publishing your works helped you along the way of publishing those kind of stories? Honestly, it's given me the freedom to tell the stories I want to tell. I'm not writing to a deadline for someone else. I'm not writing to a genre that, you know, is hot or a topic or a trope that someone thinks is hot right now. I'm writing the stories I want to tell and having that full creative control to allow the characters to tell the story in as many or as few books as is necessary. And I think that's the difference there. I don't know, especially lately. And, you know, you see Barnes and Noble there, the brick and mortars have struggled more with paperback sales and it almost makes more sense to self-publish. Yeah. And let's get into what you just said about that. You write the stories that you want to write there's a lot of chatter in the self-publishing industry and, and, and in this this world, essentially, of writing to market. Uh, and there are some authors who see that as, as a huge cash cow for themselves, where they look at what's popular and they, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks or a month or so, bang out a sixty to 80,000 word werewolf love story novel. Or is there other writers, myself included, who we kind of just write what we like? Uh, what interests us, and hope we find readers along the way. Is that kind of the same as how you are? I agree. I do know a lot that will write to whatever trope is popular at the moment. And I can see the appeal in that for a while. It was bully romance, which was, you know, the high school love story and the good girl falls for the bad boy kind of thing. And I was like, that's cool. That's not something I personally enjoy reading, and it's not something I wanted to write. But I think there are those people that are always looking for something new. And for them, that would appeal. For me, I know what I like to write. I've tried to write a lighter romance and it backfired and still was angsty and dark, even without trying, I felt like. (laughs) That was my last release. I'm like, it's a twist on The Little Mermaid. Super good. This is not going to be an issue. And about halfway through, I'm like, this has a lot of like cult leanings and is really heavy and dark religious tones. I don't know what happened. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what happened, but we're going with it. So I think, you know, if you know what you're good at, stick with what you're good at and the readers are going to come to you. I like that. And I think it uh, it harkens back to uh, you're right. What you know, you know, as for me, I'm not, I'm not the kind of writer who can quote unquote write to market. Um, because I, 
don't necessarily read or enjoy the kind of stories that may be popular at that moment. Absolutely. I'm the same way. It has to be something I would want to read. Do you have a favorite book that you've written? I do. I would say it would probably be the entire series is really my favorite, but I would say book one, which was deserter in my silent Phoenix series. And that was an origin story. And it was the one the readers requested. And I wrote it after writing about some of the side characters. And I, and I was like, you know, I'll give them one book and then started writing it and just fell in love with this whole family and how it all started to connect and the pieces fell in place. And you've had, you've got you know, four books in that series, correct? I've got five books in that series and I'm actually okay. working on six, which can be read as a standalone, but it's one of the side characters. I said I was done writing and I got a lot of uh, flack for that, I guess, from readers. <laughs> They're like, no, I want to know about the cousin and the sister and the neighbor and the mailman and basically everybody in this universe. Yeah. And I was like, no. you know, I don't really think so. I'm trying to write something different and try to kind of get away from the genre only to find, you know, we ended up in a pandemic and I, was, I couldn't write anything because once I was like, I'm not writing that, my brain was like, okay, well then I guess we're not writing anything. So have fun. And so it definitely pulled me back in and now I'm writing this one. And like I said, it can be a, read as a standalone, but it is one of the characters from the book. That's really interesting because when the pandemic happened and the the world kind of shut down in March, um, I just had this glut of creativity just pour out of me. And I, I finished two full novels uh, between March and September of that year. Um, and then wrote most of a third one at that point too. That's amazing. I can, so, that was not my case. <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing to me, you know, how creatives, you know, how we react to things differently. I think for me, I had been in quarantine already to finish a deadline for my last release. And it released in March of 2020, unfortunately, because it was so chaotic. And after that, it was like, I was, I was of the mindset, I'm going to go out. I'm going to get out of the house. I've been cooped up in here since Christmas. And then everything shut down. And then I was homeschooling my kids and every day was something new and chaotic. And I don't, all creativity fled during that. And I tried several times to write stuff and it just, I couldn't get a story out of anything at the time. Oh no. For me, you know, looking back, I remember being in Lubbock for a book signing at the Barnes & Noble there in February of 2020. Uh, so this was just three or four weeks before before the pandemic shut everything down. And uh, I had another book coming out in May of that year. And so I used that book signing in Lubbock to announce that new book as well as a book tour for it and had you know book signing events scheduled from everywhere from Colorado Springs down to San Angelo. And then the funniest thing happened. A pandemic. A pandemic shut everything down. And so I didn't get to make any of those events. Um, but being in Lubbock, Texas, uh, is, is one of my favorite towns to, to hold book signing events, whether it's at bookstores. I've done a couple of breweries there. I've done uh, you know, Lubbock Book Festival and, and the comic conventions. And at least from my perspective, everyone in Lubbock, Texas, have been 
so welcoming and really inquisitive about what you're doing as an author. They may not have ever heard of me. Now, I do have my fans who line up, you know, for those events, but even the ones who may not have ever heard of me are still really curious. Yes. I would say that people, it's interesting because when I did the Lubbock Book Festival, that was my first local signing. I have, I've done signings, you know, in Colorado and um, St. Louis and San Antonio and kind of all over the place. But this was my first local signing, so I didn't really know what to expect going in. And I was very pleasantly surprised and sold out of several titles on day one of that signing. And it was really nice to see the support. And there were so many people that showed up for it, which was amazing. Yeah, I had, I had an absolute blast at that festival. And I hope they do another one this year. I do too. I think they are, from what I've heard. Good. Shannon, are you working on anything else right now? Or do you have anything else in the in the pipeline? Uh, right now, I'm just currently writing book six in the Silent Phoenix series. And I'm looking at writing another standalone novel that will release later this year. I love I love being self-published because you can you can determine whenever you want to publish. Yes, that is the best part. Uh, let me ask you before I let you go. As a as a self-published author, as an independent author, what is the one piece of advice you would have for an aspiring author who comes up to you and says, Shannon, oh my gosh, you are my favorite author. I love the Dark Phoenix series. I love everything you put out. I have story ideas of my own. Where do I start? I would honestly tell them to just sit down and write what they've got in their head. Don't try to figure out what you're going to do with it once it's written. Don't try to jump ahead and have to have a plan. Just unleash that creativity and let that story take you where it's going to take you. And then once it's complete, then look at your options. Because I would love to say to everyone, oh, you need to self-publish. That's the best option. That might not be for every writer. But the one piece of advice that I feel like is universal is, write the story. And I, I did tell several people that at the Lovett book signing that, you know, did open up about that they'd written a few things. And I'm like, just keep writing, write every day, write until it becomes a habit. Shannon, where can our listeners find you? They can find me on all my books are on Amazon and all but one are in Kindle Unlimited. And then I am socially on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and pretty much any other social media site. And your, uh, your Instagram handle is Shannon S Myers. Fantastic. Thank you again, Shannon, so much for joining me today. Uh, really appreciate the conversation. Perfect. Well, thank you for having me. And that is our show today. Thank you so much to Shannon Myers for coming on to talk about her books and the wisdom she has to share with prospective and aspiring authors, including the dark Phoenix series. She has over 14 novels published to date, which is prolific. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Indie Author Method podcast. Please give us five-star reviews, share the show with your friends, and if you're an indie author, I would love to hear from you. Find the Indie Author Method podcast wherever you get your shows and keep writing. This is Andrew J. Brandt signing off.